Hi, my name is Alex Farquhar, and welcome to Drayton Christian School in Drayton Valley, Alberta, Canada. Welcome to Another Day in God's Story. This is the Every Square Centimeter podcast, a project of Christian Schools Canada, and we are rapturous to have you join us for season three. Darren, Justin, can you can you believe we're in season three? <laughs> no. Honestly? <laughs> honestly, what did you think? Half a season? <laughs> what were you? I was just ecstatic ecstatic when I listened to the first episode of season one and I actually heard it and I thought, hey, that's success. So Check look at us. us. Look Lead at on us. Jeremy. Lead on season Jeremy. Season three. So uh so we're we're rapturous to have you join us for season three as we tour this beautiful country we call Canada, celebrating and finding inspiration in the people, places, and practices in and around Christian education. In our last step, way back in the summer, we spent time in London Christian High School in London, Ontario with Matt Rock as we learned that Darren knows every square centimeter of Canadian farm-to-table restaurants. We learned that designing high-impact projects is a ton of work, but once you get a taste, you can never go back. I am, at this point, curious when we're going to go back to Matt and find out how that's going. So we'll have to check in on Matt at some point this year. Um, we learned that London, Ontario existed for over 10,000 years on the Antlered River, long before it was ever colonized into London. We learned that Matt highlights creative thinking and the design process in his Maker Studio classroom. And we learned that sometimes our classrooms can foster partnerships around the world. It was a while ago, but I still recall it as a pleasure visiting with Matt. And so I encourage, if you haven't already, go and listen. But today, we are grateful you've joined us in Drayton Valley, Alberta. And we're going to refer to ourselves today as a clouder. So Alex, every time I take a shot at what maybe that would be called, so I'm going to get rid of the valley, Drayton Valley Someone from Drayton Valley, so Draytoner, like a Draytoner clouder. What, what do you think? How, any idea what someone from Drayton Valley would be called? My best guess is Draytonian or Drayton Valonian. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Drayton like Valonian has a real. Yes. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> so we're going to be a Drayton Valonian clouder today, and to get to know our Drayton Valonian. <laughs> Oh, man, I can't even say that. Louder, we're going to start our podcast off with the name segment. My name is Jeremy Horlings from the Prairie Center for Christian Education, or PCCE. And alongside me from the Society of Christian Schools in British Columbia, or SCSBC, is Mr. Holly Hawk himself, Darren Speaksma. Hey, Clowder. Hey. Hey. Darren. Darren. <laughs> Uh, first of all, Darren, before I give you the prompt, uh, I called you Mr. Hollyhock himself. Um, how are the Hollyhocks? They must they like do they die off in the fall and winter? Tell me about Hollyhocks. They have been cut down Oof. and composted. Uh, can you just give us the final height of the Hollyhock? The tallest one, and I actually did measure because we've had this was twenty one feet tall. Oh, that's taller than it I was, even remember. It was crazy. It was so tall that my wife was like. Yeah, we're not doing that in the front yard again. So uh, <laughs> figure that out. <laughs> All right. My actual prompt for you is, can you tell me about an interesting place you have taught? So um, the most interesting place I've taught uh, is China. Um, there are a number of BC 
offshore schools, they're called, that run the BC curriculum. And I had the opportunity to, when we moved to a new competency-based curriculum here in in BC, I had the opportunity to support uh, a variety of schools in China and had the opportunity to teach teachers in China. Um, what made it unique is I've never actually been to China, um, even after all those hours of teaching in China, um, because I would log on at 11 o'clock at night and uh, work through the night teaching with them. And we had a few things because we knew the Wi-Fi would like, we knew the internet would crash or slow down. So we had a running poll of what, how many minutes into the presentation that it would drop off and we'd have to reconnect. And whoever won got a chocolate bar. And that was the, that was sort of the, one of the ways that we dealt with um, that. But yeah, so that's, uh, that's my story of teaching in China with ever, without ever actually setting foot in China. It's like, uh, like, 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 uh, like uh, all of us flying into Drayton Valley as we've done tonight, uh, true. through zoom. So, Good to be there. uh, from advance in Eastern Canada, we have a guy who's more of a water lily fan, Justin Cook. Hey, Canada. Oh, Canada. Canada. Uh, Justin, I, I thought water lily fit because of the pond in the back. Have you ever had water lilies in the back pond? Uh, indeed we have. Okay. Yes. Not, not 21 feet tall though. Typically not. No. How's um, the pond doing? Well, it's boarded over, uh, but that's okay. to allow the uh, the bird feeder to take the winter stage. So we got the bird feeder above the pond. If they're both open at the same time, it gets a little messy. This is the hard-hitting news that our audience needs to know. So, um, Justin, tell us about an interesting place you have taught. Yeah, so I think um, – well, it's, it is fun to travel and, and to work. And uh, one of my highlights actually was a trip to Ljubljana, Slovenia with uh, Harry Blylevin from episode one. Shout out to you, Harry. Mm -hmm. And we had also been working, um, there was a principal here in Ontario named Aaron Harnden, who was a part of a, a system of international schools called QSI, Quality Schools International. Pretty fascinating story, QSI. They actually... Um, when the Eastern, when Eastern Europe opened up after uh, the fall of the Soviet Empire, a number of Christians started uh, flooding um, those countries with schools for the, the return of Western um, diplomats, basically. And they had a desire for the gospel to kind of permeate these international schools, which is a pretty fascinating story. That's about the extent I know, although it's, uh, it's, it's pretty, it was pretty cool to work with them in Slovenia. Beautiful city. It's got a castle on the hill. Amazing. I'm just curious if Darren would take a shot at spelling the thing that I'm not even going to pronounce. I was actually wondering if you would give it a try, Jeremy. Yeah, say it again. Ljubljana. Yeah, so you said there's uh, potentially some J's, so I'm going to go with some, uh, you know, L-J-U-B-L-I-I-N-G-O. Um, I think that's probably what it is. Uh, Good finish. Right. Good finish. Yeah. You nailed it. Uh, and as we heard off the top, hey, and just a, a teaser, uh, Harry Blylevin's going to make an appearance in season three as a reference in an upcoming episode here. Ooh. Uh, just a little bit of a teaser coming up. So um, as we heard off the top, we are honored to be welcomed virtually into Drayton Christian School by Alex Farquhar. Hey, Alex. Hey. It is great to have you. Can you tell us about, first of all, do you have any really interesting plants? Because apparently I've asked that of both Darren and Justin first. Interesting plants. You know what? I am yeah. not a plant person, but my sister lived with me for a year and she, when she moved out, she flooded my house with her plants. So I've got lots. I don't know what they are. 
Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool plants everywhere. Yeah. Cool plants everywhere. Yeah. It's a thing right now. They're, you know, they're, they're having a moment plants. Um, <laughs> can you tell us about an interesting place you have taught? For sure. Um, my first teaching job was, uh, in Kuwait. It was definitely not a place that I was looking to go. So when I was in university, I went to an international job fair and you can check off all the places in the world that you want to go. And the only two I did not check off were the Middle East and North America. Um, and sure enough, I left that job fair with a job in the Middle East. Um, so yeah, I headed that way when I was 22. And um, it ended up being such an incredible experience. I taught grade two for my first year, but then I moved to middle school and did just math and science. And I absolutely loved it. There was tons of opportunity to travel. So I got to see like over 40 countries. Um, and I made some really awesome friends, uh, most of which were actually from Canada. So we've been able to stay in touch too. So it was a really, really awesome experience. Very cool. Look at our wide variety of places. I, I'm going to, I had the opportunity this summer. So in between recording our last one and uh, today when we're recording, I had an opportunity to go visit South Korea. We're working with three schools on uh, teaching for transformation there. So spent a five days, so a really quick trip. Um, wonderful, wonderful people, super hospitable, have lots of stories that maybe at some point we'll have to tell more about, uh, about them. But the one piece around teaching specifically with them, um, and I'm actually heading back, by the time this is maybe being released, I might be back, I'll be back in January. They have a real sense of wanting to get, to get, glean everything they can from you as a speaker. And so I keep on saying, like, we don't need to, you don't need to print off all the slides for taking notes, we, you know, we're, but they insist that they need to print off every slide. And so these massive books that we work through over a few days, because they want to take notes on every single thing and uh, just keen and want to learn and uh and we're wonderfully hospitable so it was a wonderful experience so mm. for the second half of our opening square we have our host choose from a variety of segments that all rhyme with aim and today alex has chosen the segment and alex we didn't warn you can you give us a drum roll sure wait with my hands can you hear that <laughs> <laughs> game yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> All right. For our game today, uh, we are going to play a kind of a version of Price is Right, a special version um, based on the Hallmacher Schlemmer catalog. Um, if you've never heard of the Hallmacher Schlemmer catalog, um, that doesn't surprise me. But apparently it's been around for 174 years. Um, I thought as a, a Christian school podcast, it would be wise for us to really lean into consumerism and celebrate consumerism around yes. this time. At this point, we're recording this before Christmas. It's probably not going to be released till after Christmas. If you messed up gift giving, I've got some ideas for you coming your way. <laughs> so what we're going to do is I've gone ahead and chosen three gifts from what's called the unexpected section of the Hallmacher Schlemmer catalog. Nice. And I've chosen a gift for each, Darren, Justin, and Alex. And then they're going to uh, take a guess as to how much that gift uh, may cost. Alex, uh, is going to talk a little bit about math later on. So Alex, I, I am going to lean on you to do some math here to, to tell us who was the closest um, on, on the fly here. So good luck with, with that piece. So um, the first one we have here is, and I will, I'm going to explain to the listeners what we're looking at, but I'm going to show you guys uh, what it is that uh, you're receiving. Okay. Um, this is the only seven person tricycle, and this is for Justin. Okay. Yes. The, 
The description says it's the only set, uh, tricycle that accommodates seven adults and facilitates close-knit conferencing during joy rides. Okay, so that is the description. I'm going to share my screen and show. Here we go. Okay, I've got it now. We're going to share Ooh. screen and um, what we're looking at here. <laughs> wow. So you guys are thinking. Okay. So we're looking at a red seven-person tricycle. Um, Some people have to sit backwards. Some people, yeah, to get around, it looks like one person is steering. It's, uh, it has one steering wheel, seven people pedaling, all facing each other in a circle. Okay, that's as oh, best. Yeah. In, and and yeah. hey, people, if you want to go check out the Hallmacher Schlemmer catalog, you can see a visual of what this is. Oh, yeah. Justin, you're up first because this is for you. Can you give Oof. me a guess as to how much? And the price range will be from anywhere from $1,000 to a million. Okay, so it's got to be in the thousands. Oh, okay. The only seven-person tricycle. Well, I'm going to assume, you know, that we're talking about some pretty high-quality German engineering here. Okay. Uh, that thing's a thing of beauty. And it, it makes for good conversation because it's literally a circle. I never close. knew you could fit seven people mm -hmm. in a circle on a tricycle. Close-knit conferencing is Ooh. what it would say, yeah. Give us a number, Justin. Uh, I'm going to say 9,000, Bob. Okay, thank you. 9,000. Darren, we'll come to you next. I. So we, we're allowed to go over? Yeah, you're allowed to go over. We're not going to play the, the true Price is Right game. You can okay. give, go over, yeah. I'm going, I think it's got to be a round number. So I'm doubling up on Justin on 20 grand. Okay. Ooh. Alex, what do you think? You know, I was really leaning towards 10, but I don't want to be that close to Justin's guess. So I might go with a random 13. First of all, I'm super impressed with that. You guys are in the ballpark. Uh, second of all, the last time I played a game, Darren cheated by going and looking oh, no. on, remember that? Uh, he went and looked at all the answers. And so I'm a little like hesitant to say Come that on. right now, the answer is $20,000 and I am now super cynical. You're allowed to be <laughs> just cause I'm winning. I take cynical. Wait, 20,000. Is there an engine on that thing? Did I miss the engine? Where's the engine on the like, Hammacher Schlemmer The Hammacher Schlemmer catalog? Hey, Any I will... Engineering that includes seven people all pedaling towards themselves is crazy. And maybe it's you, the size maybe you of a didn't car. Hear that this is the only seven-person tricycle. Maybe you didn't hear that, uh, Justin. Okay, uh, we're moving on. Uh, next, my next gift, uh, Alex. You didn't even have to do the math. I could do that. Uh, Darren was right on. So that was nice. <laughs> That's all right. I got you next time. <laughs> all right. The next one is uh, uh, for Alex. Um, what I have for you is the self-contained hoot nanny. Okay. Uh, this is an autonomous mechanical band that uses 17 instruments built into its cabinet <laughs> to generate a verifiable shindig. Okay. <laughs> now, the reason I thought this would be good for you is I know that both you and your husband are teachers. Yes. And my assumption is you're probably tired at the end of a day. I'm guessing you don't want to yeah. entertain people. So what I have for you is oh my I have goodness. entertainment wrapped up in a, I don't know, what is this? A thing of beauty is what that a is. Thing of beauty. <laughs> yes, it's got all it the is. instruments kind of on display, automated. Yeah. Um, a yep. self-contained hoot nanny. <laughs> Alex, what is that do a, you think? Sorry, I'm just distracted Go by. Ahead. Is that a banjo? Oh yeah, it's, front it's and center a is a banjo. Oh, 
what else we got there? Percussion in the bottom. Yeah, percussion at the bottom. What's at the very top? A tambourine. Oh yeah, it's a tambourine. It basically reminds me of a jukebox, but the all the instruments are are there. Solid oak case. It looks like. Yeah. So, what do you think? The self-contained Hooten <laughs> would come at a cost for Alex. What do you think? I I'm having a hard time with this one. I feel like there's got to be a lot going on on the inside of that that we don't see to make uh-huh. it all play beautifully together. Um, and I know that instruments can be expensive, so I'm just gonna throw out a hundred grand. Okay, mm. nice. Okay, hundred grand. Uh, Darren, let's go to you. So. Because you stopped sharing the screen, the one clarification, like, there looked like there was a screen in the middle. Is this, like, also karaoke? Uh, I don't, it does not give any more description than what you've seen there and what I've read off. I don't get a sense that it's, well, I don't think it's going to give the words. It'll just play the sounds. Okay, I don't think I can double, there's no way it's 200,000, and doubling up worked for me last time, so I'm going half. So Alex said 100 grand, I'm going 50 grand. Okay, Justin, uh, what are you thinking? I was debating whether to go over or under. I'm going over. I, you know, if if a tricycle costs twenty, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> a self-contained hoot nanny. Right. I'm going one forty. One forty. It generates a verifiable shindig. Um, <laughs> so again, this is not going to help me believing Darren at this point because the price for this one is 54,000. Oh, okay? come on. Come on. What? This, Darren, come on. Are you on the Hallmacher Schlemmer catalog? <laughs> I am not on the Hallmacher Schlemmer catalog. That would be like me, but uh, um, I, I didn't even think Hallmacher Schlemmer was actually a legitimate thing. So, Okay, oh, <laughs> quick, quick interlude. Just, quick interlude. Is Hallmacher Schlemmer a, a, a person? Or I, yeah, you're asking. You got any backstory on Hamaker? Well beyond my. <laughs> All right, just curious. That may be for a campfire conversation, Justin. Well, um, you gotta but, you gotta buy both of those things for Darren because he's basically right on both times. Listen, so listen, this is housed within a handcraft oak cabinet, and I did find here it says the machine stores thirteen thousand MP3 and karaoke songs that are selected using a fifteen inch touchscreen interface. So yes, Darren, I guess you were right again, uh, Alex. Curious, this lands at your house. Are you excited? Like, is this is this a good gift for you and Andrew? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so but didn't thank you anyway. Poor choice. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, uh, the last gift we have here is for Darren. I was thinking about his hollyhocks, and I was thinking what would go well with twenty-one foot hollyhocks. And what I have for Darren here is a life-size Tyrannosaurus skeleton. Spanning 40 feet spanning 40 feet from tail to snout. This is the life-size replica fossil skeleton of Stan. Uh, a Tyrannosaurus first unearthed in South Dakota's Black Hills in 1992. Found in a disarticulated state, each bone was separated from the others. Stan's skeleton fossilized over millions of years with little to no distortion or crushing, making him the most complete 190 bones male Tyrannosaurus Rex ever found. And I will share screen. For you and listeners, I encourage you to go to the Hallmarker Slammer catalog if you don't believe what's happening here. There is a an, an adult lady standing underneath T-Rex <laughs> to give us a, a good sense of how big this is. And I just think, Darren, as a lawn ornament, oh yeah. T-Rex <laughs> in your Hollyhocks would be dynamite. 
Suddenly Dynamite. the Hollyhocks wouldn't look very big. If no, this thing but was walking amongst the Hollyhocks. It'd be like T-Rex walking through your jungle. Like this would be anyway. Oh. Is it even right. legal to sell a dinosaur skeleton? This is a replica. It is a, re- it is a replica. It what's is it made out of? <clears throat> what's it made out of, Jeremy? Oh, I don't. I'm gonna. I'll find <laughs> it. I will. I will. Oh, we got expertly crafted using GI 1000 grade silicone molds that impart stunning, authentic detail to the polyurethane resin casts that faithfully preserve the healed injuries Stan suffered during life including a broken neck and ribs, as well as puncture wounds in his skull and lower jaw. Wow. So, Aaron, Jeremy, just one quick clarifying question. Like, is this like a do-it-yourself puzzle where you actually have to <laughs> put it together? I'm not sure how this thing arrives at your house, Justin. That is a wonderful question. Um, there was an option here for me to just buy the T-Rex head. Uh, I went with the full... Uh, skeleton for Darren. So Darren, yeah, give me well a price. Done. All right. So I'm thinking the head's got to be at least 10 grand itself. So <laughs> I'm going 110 grand. Okay. Justin, what do you think? 110 hun- grand. We got 111. <laughs> there we go. Smart. <laughs> Alex, Alex, you know, Alex, you know what to do. <laughs> yeah, 109. <laughs> That's what I'm go. talking about. That's what I'm go. talking about. <laughs> The correct answer, and again, Darren was very close. It's 120, so Justin takes the cake. Very impressive. And I'd have to go back and look to see exactly. Uh, Darren, uh, this arrives at your doorstep. You and the family happy with this present? or? Um, I would be happy with this present, but I would be on my own on that. (laughs) Like, you've driven by my house. It wouldn't fit in my yard. You would have to be... Connect like it would, with your it neighbors. Would, it would yeah. hang over the road. That's cool. That, that would be a problem. Everybody wants to drive under a dinosaur. They want to drive through trees. We want to drive through anything. Be, I think it'd be a conversation starter for people totally. driving by. And, <laughs> um, do you put Christmas lights on? Do you put Christmas lights on the dinosaur? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you do. Uh, the head was 11,500. There is no way wow. Darren did not look at this website before. Come on. <laughs> no, I don't even, I didn't even think it existed. <laughs> uh, so uh, listeners I would love for you to share with us the strangest gift that you've been giving so tweet us or that you've been given or, or giving I guess at Christmas um, tweet us at every square centimeter that's every square cm or message us on Instagram uh, this year we plan to do some conversation campfire conversations again so send us uh, some some emails as well we're going to transition from our opening square to the part of the podcast where we learn a little bit about places in Canada and celebrate the people and practices in Christian education. But before we do, here's a word from our sponsor. Hi, my name is Jim Dreger, and I teach grade five at Gateway Christian School in Red Deer, Alberta. For the past few years, I've traveled with Edudeo Ministries to Nicaragua and the Dominican Republic, seeing firsthand the impact Edudeo's partners is making in the lives of their communities. We continually hear back from our past students about what kind of a lifelong learning impact this trip was for them. That's why I'm excited to see Edudale relaunch their short-term team program as Co-Impact Teams, a new name that speaks to Edudale's heart for partnership. When you join a Co-Impact Team, you are co-workers in God's service with Edudale's partners, working together to impact each other and global communities. Edudale wants you to join in and work together for community impact, to learn more about this refresh program or to chat about your school traveling in the next year, reach out to Lori at schools at or visit edgedale.com backslash schools. 
As we heard off the top, Alex teaches at Drayton Christian School in Drayton Valley, Alberta, Canada. Justin, can you tell us a little bit about Drayton Valley? I can. So the Ministry of Education in Alberta has put out a pretty amazing map of the various treaties uh, that have been signed with uh, First Nations, and it's super helpful just in terms of thinking about which nation is located where, etc. And Drayton Valley is located on Treaty 6 territory, a traditional gathering place for diverse Indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Blackfoot, Métis, Nakota Sioux, Iroquois, Dene, Ojibwe, Salto, Anishinaabe, Inuit, and many others whose history, language, and cultures continue to influence the area. We've talked a lot about uh, the fact that uh, towns are often either kind of lake or sea towns or river towns. Drayton Valley is a river town on the North Saskatchewan River. And in its early European settling phase, the river was the only way in and out of Drayton Valley. Uh, I'm wondering, uh, Alex, if you can answer this question, that'd be amazing too. I, I don't expect you to, but can you name any one? Can you name one river town from our past episodes over the last few seasons? Ooh, Darren. Well, no. I like I Nanaimo is a river town. Yeah, it's far enough inland, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Kinda. It's on the Nanaimo <laughs> River. <laughs> Oh, Abbotsford, far enough in? It's kind of sort of maybe on the Fraser River. Justin, no. Are we getting any of these? Well, well, Calgary uh, so, is. So those are both from Calgary, BC. Yeah, right. Calgary. Yeah. Calgary. So, and you got to name the river. Uh, elbow. The bow. And the elbow. Nice work, They're bo- Jeremy. Yeah, yes. Yeah. The bow is the bigger one, but yes, elbow and the bow. Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the river or rivers. The red and the Assiniboine. Oh, yeah. That's right. Nice work. Okay. So you got you got BC. You got Prairie. Oh, man. Isn't hey. that all there is? St. Oh. Lawrence River. Any of the places <laughs> oh, on that? Oh, nice. <laughs> I'm from Ontario, so I got that one. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, in some sense, I mean, we were in Charlottetown, PEI, which in oh, some yeah. sense is in the mouth of the St. Lawrence. That's pretty cool. And what is London on uh, Ontario totally on a river? Right. Jeremy, you just shouted out to Matt Rock. Mm-hmm. You even you even gave the uh, the First Nations name for the river, not the actual European name. Oh, the Antlered River. Nice. Right. Yes. Yes. Also known I as the that. Thames. All right. Nice work, everybody. Excellent. So early economy was uh, lumber and farming, and uh, that changed in 1953 when the largest what was discovered in Drayton Valley. Oh, oil. Yeah, oil well. Do you, oil. It was a field. Do you know the name of the oil field? Uh, the Drayton Valley oil field. <laughs> That's a good <laughs> guess. There's a local – so Drayton Valley is on the North Saskatchewan River, but the, a local river just uh, north northwest is the Pembina. Oh, the Pembina. Pembina, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Thank you. Pembina. Thank you for yeah. correcting. I, here I was feeling all high and mighty about how much I know. <laughs> Oh, maybe they called it the Pembina back then. Yeah, that's the well, that's the the proper way to pronounce the originally <laughs> <laughs> the Pembina oil field. Yeah, discovered okay. in 1953, and overnight the town changed. It used to be two churches, a post office, and a two classroom school. And then, with the 
the coming of uh, of oil. It it included. This is literally from the website, the Drayton Valley website, the infamous Wildcat Cat Cafe, staffed by ladies of the evening. <laughs> I, I am quoting directly from the history as it's told on the Drayton Valley website. Pretty fantastic. So one more thing to note, and I'm curious, Alex, if you're aware of this, but uh, I think in 2021, Drayton Valley initiated a policy called the Zero Fee Tuition Program. And it's in partnership with multiple Alberta post-secondary institution, in, institutions. And up to $5,000, the town provides tuition assistance, basically, to anyone who chooses to live in Drayton Valley. And when wow. I dug into this, I'm like, really? Anyone? Students can literally move to Drayton Valley to receive the credit and take online courses oh. at one of these uh, approved institutions. So I think, and the the reason I know this is they they list a few goals to the program. One is that they want an alternative to post-secondary education in a big city. Again, yeah. I'm quoting, Drayton Valley offers a high quality of life with a small town vibe with lower rental rates and a variety of indoor and outdoor recreational opportunities in a close knit community. Drayton Valley is the perfect community to expand your educational horizons. Wow. So I read that and I'm like, they are attract. They're trying to invite students to come. And then second, this one also, they want to grow and diversify the local economy, bringing students into the community provides opportunities for existing businesses, as well as entrepreneurs looking to cater to a new customer base. So pretty phenomenal mm -hmm. that uh, anyone can really choose to make Drayton Valley home, receive the uh, the subsidy on the education, but they also do it for mature students. So anyone in Drayton Valley who wants to go back to school and receive a certification can also receive the zero fee um, tuition program. So wow. Alex, had you heard of that at all, or is that something well-known? It's pretty new. Yeah, that's news to me. That's pretty amazing, though. It doesn't surprise me. I know that there's been a lot of initiatives to try and attract people to Drayton Valley, so cool. that's a really cool one for sure. The website says it's the one-of-a-kind program in Canada, which, yeah, I don't know, guys. We've basically been everywhere now, haven't we? We've been actually in every town <laughs> yeah, that's true. across Canada. Every square centimeter. And this is the only one, so mm -hmm. yeah. uh, pretty amazing. Alex, what brought, what brought you to Drayton Valley? Um, well, my husband and I were living in Calgary, um, renting a place and we had our horses on the property and our landlord said he needed to sell the house. So we started looking for land there and, um, it's pretty expensive to buy acreage around Calgary. So, um, we sort of just looked at a map and thought, where can we afford to live? Um, and my husband, Andrew had hunted up this way. And so, um, when we saw that property was a little bit more reasonable, um, around Drayton Valley, we, we sort of just did a random Google search for uh, teaching jobs. And we saw that there was a Christian school. I didn't even know that. And they had one position that was open and closing that evening. And it was for grade six. And we were both currently teaching grade six at the time. So we scrambled, <laughs> applied that night, um, got a call the next day. Two days later, we drove down for an interview for the same position and everyone was like, you're competing for the same job. And I, I was like, what do you mean? We got twice as many chances of getting it. It's fine. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it happened really fast. We weren't expecting um, to move at all, let alone relocate, get new jobs. Um, and that was all like three months into COVID. So there was just a lot going on at that time. Um, but, yeah, we within a week decided to move, got a new job, quit our old jobs and 
came to wow. buy a house. So yeah, it was, Amazing. it was exciting times. <laughs> All right. So let's assume your husband's not going to listen to the podcast. How pumped, <laughs> how pumped were you to beat him in the, the actual posting of the position? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I actually didn't feel that way. We like, you had to do mock lessons. We like, um, t- made them work together as if his was day one and mine was day two. And, um, oh, wow. and they, they ended up, it was really cool at the end. They said, we don't care. You guys can decide who takes the job, um, <laughs> which we had kind of rehearsed for. Cause we thought that might happen. So, um, yeah, we were, we were prepared, but by the time September rolled around, there was two positions anyways. So it didn't actually matter in the end. That is a testament to your marriage. And it sounds like actually just a straight up test. Like they were just testing you because that might be the ender for some. Uh, I'm not naming marriages out there, but uh, that might be a challenge for Um, Alex, I'm curious. Justin talked a little bit about Drayton Valley. Um, Can you maybe tell us a little bit about uh, Drayton in relation to Drayton Christian and maybe how that makes uh, Drayton Christian a kind of a unique Christian school in, in the Canadian Christian school landscape? Yeah, for sure. So um, Drayton Christian School is um, an open enrollment school. So we're K to nine. We have about 200, I shouldn't say about, we have exactly 234 students right now. Um, And it's been growing rapidly over the last couple of years. We do have open enrollment. um, So that means uh, our families do not have to identify as Christians to attend our school. And on top of that, we make our tuition really affordable. So it's $125 a year to attend um, our school. So that's something that is a little bit unique to us. Curious, Alex, uh, what did maybe uh, school look like for you? Uh, what did the grade, you, you currently don't specifically teach a grade. You that's guys, right. you just moved into an admin role this year, but uh, yeah, what would school look like for you? Uh, well, when I, yeah, when I was teaching, I was teaching junior high. So grade six to nine, roughly. Um, for me, that period of time, I think I was one of those I wasn't a bad kid, um, but I was annoying for sure to my teachers in the sense that I didn't stop talking. I met most of my teachers asked that I would be tested for ADHD. I was sitting on top of desks. I couldn't um, focus. They would think I wasn't listening. And then, you know, when you go to catch them in that, like, hey, what did I just say? And I can repeat it right back because I anyways. Um, so I think that that was an interesting time for me because I often got sat kind of right in the front and center of the classroom with the teacher right in front of me. And um, yeah, but I, I generally did well. I just didn't have to work overly hard for it at that time. So, yeah. Would your teachers uh, envision you becoming a teacher, do you think? <laughs> I ha- You know, I should ask them because I, I have seen some of them since um, from my elementary school, but I, I would guess no, that they wouldn't envision that necessarily. Yeah. Alex, in every episode, we want to kind of invite you to frame the story that we're diving into with you about education. What, what specific story are you kind of participating in? How would you describe the story of your teaching? Like in general or just, yeah. What what are you passionate about? What, what, what are we going to talk about today? Oh, okay. That, that makes it really easy for me. Nice. Um, (laughs) My, my favorite thing to teach and the thing that I'm, uh, recently become really, really passionate about is math and math instruction and what it looks like for kids um, to learn math in schools and that experience for them. Yeah. Do you want me to elaborate on that? <laughs> no, it's, uh, we'll get there, I think. Okay. Like that's, uh, I'm fascinated. Sorry, the hesitation is was more a result of, I could have thought of a lot of things for someone to say in that situation, and I wasn't necessarily expecting math instruction. So yes, 
Like, tell us more about that. Like, what do you hope? Like, you're obviously excited about it. Yes. Like, what um, do you hope for? Yeah, for your students. I think that math is one of those subjects that um, a lot of people cringe at, even parents. Um, you know, they'll come in and say, oh, my kid hates math. And that makes sense because I also wasn't really a math person. So I, I really think it's one of those subjects that there's a few, a handful of um, people that love it. And then the rest are kind of like, that is not my thing. Or it makes them really anxious. Or there's just a whole host of emotions. Um, and most of them, unfortunately, aren't overly positive. And so that is kind of where um, I've kind of gone with my teaching in the last couple of years is just exploring, like, how can we change that experience for people? How can we make everybody know that um, there's no such thing as a math person? Like, we can all do these things. We can all learn. You you know things and you can use what you know to help you figure stuff out. It's not just this boring set of rules and procedures that we're going to just, you know, spit out like a like a computer, like there's actually, there's fun in this and that you can use curiosity and you can be clever about it and um, that kind of thing. So for me, I just really, really want to see people um, viewing themselves as mathematicians. And I think that nobody really, well, I shouldn't say nobody, lots of people know what that means, but um, typically what we've done in schools is sort of killed uh, the, the fun in it. Can you describe for us, Alex, what that looks like concretely in a moment? Is there a story that comes to mind that kind of embodies your ideal learning experience or, or your vision for everybody kind of being comfortable identifying themselves as mathematicians? Yeah, like I think I often when I think about um, that, I'm thinking about specific students. Um, so when I started at Drayton Christian School, this is my third year there. So I started and I was teaching a grade six class. And I was actually really lucky that some of my grade six students I had the following year for grade seven as well. And so I got them for two years. And when I started at Drayton Christian School, I was really traditional in my teaching. Um, you know, step-by-step procedures. Let me show you how to do this. If you can't do it, um, I'll just show you again and again, and we'll just keep practicing. Um, and in my second year, when I had those kids in grade seven, I actually shifted to this different way of approaching math. And I had students telling me, you know, I never thought I was good at math. And now I know that I can do it. And I've had students go away and come back and say, you know, you were the only person and I, I don't actually believe this is true, but they felt, you know, you're the only one that knew how to teach me how to do this. Can you call my aunt? She thinks I need to do it this way. I'm trying to show her what you showed me. It's way better. Um, so just those testimonials of seeing kids who didn't believe in themselves, um, just, completely do a 180 and turn that around and know that, you know what, I can do this. And there's even an adult telling me different, but I'm so confident in what I'm doing and what I know that I don't even need to listen to that because that confidence has grown so much. So that fruit is sort of what keeps me going. So I'm listening and hearing inspiration. Can you talk to us about the change? The change in my, like in my classroom or? Yeah. yeah. And your approach, like from, from that grade seven, six year. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I mean, first it had to be a philosophy change. So I kind of came up against a wall where everything I was doing wasn't working. I had a span of probably grade one to grade seven students in that grade six class. Like they were at different levels and I literally was at the end of myself. So I started just searching for Um, something different. And as I did that, I found different activities. And and I started to see how the little things that I did with kids um, would change the culture of my classroom. And so I stopped being the holder of all knowledge, which I know we always say is not what teachers should 
do, but often that comes out in math class. Like math is very much one of those places where it's like, I'm going to do this on the board and show you how to do it. We'll do a couple together. Then you go practice on your own. So even though we may have kind of moved away from that um, position as teachers in math or in other subjects, it, it seems to hold on a little longer in math, I think. Um, and so I just started doing different activities where I didn't value speed at all. So I abandoned all of my timed math facts and things that I was holding. Um, so like, thank um, you just for the record for, <laughs> yeah. kid, for yeah. kids everywhere. Thank you. Yeah. But like, that was something I went into thinking this is so important. And I still think the facts are important and the understanding is important, but getting away from the timing, getting away from a focus on the answer, um, really moving towards let's communicate and share our ideas as a community. Let's learn from each other. Um, you know, let's look at different ways to do this, but, but it's not, I'm not, I'm not in the, the camp of any way you can do it that works for you is, is good to go. I think that's a good place to start, but I do think we need to move kids towards efficiency. So um, just helping to sort of facilitate that, that process too, where we look at different strategies and now we, you know, we compare and we see which ones are more efficient, which ones are more sophisticated. How can I get my brain? Cause I do have access to that just like, you know, so-and-so did too. And, and moving kids along that way. So just um, a shift in my philosophy about what I believed that there aren't kids that are um, better at math. Well, sorry, that's not true. There are kids that have had more experiences and therefore are more successful in math, but it's not because they're necessarily way more capable. It's mm -hmm. more related to the experiences that they've had. Um, and so I want to make sure that those experiences in my class um, and our, our school in general are really, really positive. You kind of hinted at the idea that a student uh, is going home to an aunt or a parent and coming up against uh, you know the old way of math or someone you know, trying to teach them differently. What, what other struggles have maybe you faced as you've tried to make this change? One of the biggest thing that I've found is um, vertical alignment has been really challenging. So, you know, I was the teacher in, I had a group of grade sixes, but they were coming to me with, um, you know, really embedded beliefs about what math is and about who they were as math learners. And so I would spend a long time in my class trying to um, shift that for them. And then you just pass them off again the next year. And so that was really challenging for me because I really wanted to uh, hold true to what I believed, but I also wanted to make sure I wasn't um, setting them up for failure in somebody else's class. Um, so that was one thing. And, and I mean, gaps in learning is challenging regardless of how you're teaching. You can have really, really awesome plans, but it's hard. It's hard work to address um, where everybody's at. And um, some of the other things that I've especially now in more of a leadership role, um, just kind of coming up with, like, I am so passionate and I'm one of those like dive in, jump in with both feet kind of people. So um, just being okay with where everybody is at in their own journey and not feeling like, you know, everyone needs to do what I'm doing or see what I'm seeing or believe what I believe at this point in time. Um, but it is hard when sometimes there's these like silos in your school and our school's pretty amazing. Um, the staff are really collaborative and they, I do feel like they work together and they want to learn. Um, but every so often, because teaching is hard and it's exhausting, you kind of get into this little like, here's my world and I don't have the energy or the capacity right now to, to go beyond that because I'm just trying to survive the day. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, yeah. Alex, you, 
we hear it implicitly all over the place, but can you make it just a, even a little more explicit, the intersection of your work and faith? How does your faith impact the way you describe or uh, yeah, just tell us about the intersection of faith and, and your work? Yeah, I mean, I think in, I mean, this is not just specific to math, but just in general is um, teaching is hard. And there are days that, um, you know, are harder than others. And, and having that, um, being grounded in the fact that all of my students are image bearers, that helps me keep a really good perspective um, when I'm faced with challenges in the classroom. You know, they're not necessarily trying to be defiant. They're not necessarily, like all of these different things, um, it's not willful defiance. They're, you know, they're trying to understand, maybe they don't feel great about um, what's going on in class, all those different things. So just, I feel like with faith, I have this different perspective of, each of these kids is one of God's kids and he loves them and, and there's um, great purpose and plans for them. So I just need to consistently be there um, to sort of walk them through that and be patient. Um, and, and I really think that what I, what God believes about each of these kids having that perspective for me to say, this is what I also now believe about these kids. Cause I know it's what he believes that sort of penetrates everything that you do. It's kind of like, embedded in the way that you are, um, with your students and they start to, um, believe that about themselves as well. So Alex, I love, um, your view of how you, um, your posture, how you actually view your students. I wonder also, uh, how does you see God come alongside your own role? You talked about how difficult, uh, the teaching role is. Maybe tell me a little bit about, uh, your walk with God in, in terms of being a teacher. Yeah, it's been humbling, especially the last, um, three years. So my, my experience previously was only in private schools and I had fantastic experiences there, but, um, coming into a public system, it is a Christian school, but it is the public system. Um, it it is, there's a lot more challenges, um, that we face, I feel, and, um, kind of coming to a place of being at the end of myself, being okay with like giving the best that I can give, but, um, not feeling like a failure because I'm not doing it perfectly or getting kids exactly where I want them to be, to just be okay in that place. That's been, um, that's been huge. So he's been really walking, um, walking through that with me and helping me just to learn and grow personally in that, but then also professionally as well. So, um, yeah, it's just really, it's really helped me get to a place where I have to kind of look beyond my circumstances and take the focus off of me. Um, because when I look at my circumstances, you know, I can list all the things that are really hard or challenging, or I don't like, or, um, and I think that, I don't know if that's just my personality or if that's kind of a little bit, the nature of teachers is that we care so deeply. And so we, we really try to do a good job at everything that we do. And if, if we're falling short, I use that loosely, um, in any areas, it can be really hard on us. So just, um, seeing that like the kingdom is bigger than that. The picture is bigger than this, this small um, snippet in time. Alex, we usually kind of end our an interview in the, the world of um, restoration and, and thinking through uh, beyond like, so how, you know, how has God come alongside you? But then uh, this idea of practicing or playing our part in God's story, how, tell us a story of, of maybe how you've built relationship with students um, who maybe built up walls, maybe if, if there's a story that kind of connects some of these, these thoughts that you, you're bringing uh, to our conversation today. Yeah. Um, I actually kind of already alluded to this 
one student in particular that comes to mind when you say, you know, the building of walls and all of that. So I had her in my first year at Drayton Christian School in grade six and um, we clashed and we clashed really hard and, and we both felt it and it was rough for probably the first couple of months. Um, and over time, it, it was like bearable probably for the rest of her grade six year. But um, it wasn't until her, the, I had her again in grade seven. And, and that's kind of at that point, my own philosophy had started to shift. I had started trying to do different things. I had kind of let go of, I need to be the hero and the savior in all of this because that's, that's not my role. Um, and, and by the end of the year, it's funny cause her and I could have these really blunt conversations. She said to me at the end of last year, she said, you know, when I first met you, I did not think we were going to get along. Um, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, me either. Um, and, and by the end of it, she was like, but you know, like this has been the best year I've ever had in school. And she ended up leaving our school. So, um, she was back a few weeks ago just to visit and, I'm not sure. I think about my previous students often in general, but I think about her probably the most often and just the impact that she actually had on me because um, she had walls up, but I think I also had walls up and together we kind of found a way to, um, to let them down. And that I think healed both of us a little bit and helped us both grow. So uh, she's really special to me. <laughs> we can hear it in your voice. It's amazing. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I think in some ways that's that's probably the most beautiful place to end. We started talking kind of idealistically about hope, and then you finish with the story of um, of a relationship that goes off the rails quickly and comes back to a place of uh, of deep connection, but also of learning, um, not just relational connection, but success in an academic discipline that you're trying to teach kids. So, Alex, is there anything we haven't mentioned that you want to make sure we we bring up in our conversation about your work? Um. I don't know. I think just overall, as I'm trying to just move, change things in our school system, I just think it's really important to be reflective on every little thing that we do, because everything we say, everything we do, you know, the way that we answer a question, the way that we um, put kids in groups, all of those things really do speak to their beliefs. And um, we can be super intentional with the little things and make a huge shift um, in kids' beliefs about about subjects like math that they don't always uh, tend to love, but even more importantly about themselves as learners across all of those subject areas. So that's really near and dear to my heart. Alex, thank you so much um, for sharing your journey. Uh, we're gonna transition to something we call our celebration of learners. On the Every Square Centimeter website, we have an ever-growing gallery that we call our Celebration of Learners. It is populated with wonderful people that have joined us on our podcast, shared a bit of their journey, and have been forced to listen to us read off nice things about them to various degrees of comfortability. So today, Terry Lynn Ems, who is the principal at Drayton Christian School, has sent us this, Alex. I love this first sentence because you almost you called yourself a person that dives in. So she says, Alex is a deep water person. She wholeheartedly jumps into whatever she does. Her joyful presence brings strength wherever she goes. A former student noted that she is good to talk to because you can ask her any question and she'll never make you feel bad about it. And that's pretty sweet. In the few months in her new role at Drayton Christian School, I've seen the same skill exemplified with staff. 
Alex is a learner and is driven to be her best in whatever she does. She exemplifies the crew way of being because she always pushes herself and each of us to be our best in academics and life. Her direct, clear communication keeps us sharp and growing in the best possible ways. On top of that, she is a lot of fun. She is fiercely competitive and makes every staff crew game a blast. I'm very grateful for her and hope she knows how appreciated she is. Wow. Thanks, Terry Lynn. Uh, <laughs> that was nice to hear. Alex, um, uh, you mentioned some of those uh, uh, pieces around uh, yourself and so self, your self-awareness, but uh, uh, we have seen that as well just in the, the conversations tonight. So thank you for joining us. If anyone else wants to connect with you, how could they do that? Um, they could email me. I don't know if you guys have show notes we do. Um, that you could put my email in, but it is Alex. Okay. Well, I'll, should I just send it to you? Alex.farquhar, which is a, a fun one to spell um, at wrsd.ca. But if you can put that in the show notes, that'd be awesome. Excellent. Yeah, no, we will do that. Listeners, we would love to hear your uh, your involvement in this podcast in season three. So please email us at everysquarecentimeter at gmail.com. That's R-E at the end of centimeter, the Canadian way. Send us your feedback. Tell us about an educator that we should celebrate or just share a fun teacher antidote. We would also appreciate if you rate, review, and subscribe. We love, well, we, Jeremy loves <laughs> to see those, you know, reviews come in because we get to then uh, shout them out in our campfire conversations. Before Darren uh, sends us off with our, our blessing, I want to thank Alex for hosting our clouder today. And I'm curious if anyone knows what group of animals forms a clouder. Um, Darren, I'm going to go to you. You've been on, you've kind of nailed the prices, right? Thing. So I'm going to put you on the spot first. Yeah. This is where it comes to a crashing halt. Okay. I usually have a confident guess, even if it's ridiculously wrong. And I, for whatever reason, Pelican, okay. I have no idea. The Drayton Valley Pelican. Uh, okay. Justin. Yeah, this is a, a unique one, Jeremy. And uh, just because it sounds cool, I also have very little faith in my guess, but I'm going with a uh, freshwater clam clouder. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Ooh, sounds like a nice menu item at the uh, cafe that, uh, what was the phrasing, uh, Justin, there? Oh, the Wildcat Cafe. Yes, the Wildcat <laughs> Cafe. Uh, Alex, any animals that you um, think? I originally was going to. Yeah, I was thinking to go turkey, but because we don't actually have any wild turkeys up here, I'm thinking that can't be right. And so I just, I'm going to go magpie because they're everywhere. Oh, I don't know. of magpies, good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it actually is a lynx. Um, and so clouder can oh. be a group of cats of, of, of different groups of cats, I guess. Um, but lynx was the one I was specifically looking for. Um, my quick bit of trivia is that sometimes lynx will surprise their prey by pouncing them from tree branches. So they will just pounce on them. And so my question to the group, what would be your strategy for capturing food if you were in surviving in the wilderness? Are you a pouncer from branches or are you going a different route? Alex, I know you, your husband does some hunting. Do you have a strategy that you'd go with here? Um, I would love to glean some of his skills one day um with the bow and arrow but i'm still working on that and also working on i think i just need to go and run at it because i'm not quiet enough to sneak up i'm not <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> they're gonna know i'm coming so i just need to 
go full tilt. Yeah. yeah. You wouldn't be you wouldn't be a pouncer. You were mentioning in in, in between uh, recording that you're not a heights person. So you're not you're not pouncing. No, I'm not pouncing. I'm just chasing. Yeah. Yeah. I was going Darren, with char- charger. She's a charger. She's yeah, a charger. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Darren, Darren, what are you, uh, how are you surviving out there? Um, foraging and fishing. Foraging and fishing. Oh yeah. You're sitting on that chair and you're eating your wings and, uh, fishing. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Uh, Justin, what do you got? <laughs> well played, Jeremy. Well, I, I think probably for day one, I'm a pouncer. And then when that brutally <laughs> fails and, and I'm bruised to no end, I'm shifting to foraging. Yeah. And probably eating insects with a disdainful, disgusted look on my face. That's that's probably how I'm going to have to try and survive. <laughs> You're right. You're probably starting with bigger animals. The idea of the the concept of the bigger animals just sounds lucrative, but yeah, you're, totally. you're heading. Yeah, bugs is probably where you're landing. Yeah, yeah. totally. Uh, Darren, can you please end our time with a blessing? Yeah, today uh, just wrote a blessing after being inspired by a, a sermon about Mary's Magnificat um, as part of our Advent series in church. So I know this is after Christmas, but may this be a blessing to you. May the realization of God cause your spirit to rejoice and your heart to dance. May his regard for you allow you to know that you don't need to be the hero. Rather, choose to live in the humility of seeing humanity and image bearing in everyone you meet. May his holy name be on your lips and in your thoughts as you serve him in the community in which you live. Amen. Stay encouraged, educators. We want to thank Christian Schools Canada for sponsoring the podcast. Please know that the views and opinions expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CSC, the schools of our guest, or any of our three regional organizations. Thanks for listening.